I kind of had to figure out that you just do this for yourself and the journey. I mean, it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. Welcome to the Shellcats, a show about music, culture, and Memphis. As we live into our mission of building community through music, education, and diversity, we look forward to interviewing artists and musicians and hearing about how they are writing their own stories, and building their own communities. 85 years strong, and with a rich history, the Levitt Shell has stood the test of time as a beacon of hope in the heart of Memphis. podcast is brought to you by Orion Federal Credit Union, where a big part of us is being a big part of the community. Visit orionfcu.com to see how Orion is redefining banking. Thanks for joining us on episode 12 of Shellcast. Today we're talking to the noted Americana artist Rob Baird. Though he's currently stationed in Austin, Texas, Rob is a native of Memphis, Tennessee, and you can certainly hear it in his music. We talked to Rob about staying busy and staying creative during a very, very difficult time in our history. He's not only a great showman, he's a great guy and a lot of fun to talk to. So let's join Rob Baird on Shellcast. What are you uh, What are you doing to fill your time during the pandemic, sir? Man, I've been working on a couple different projects. I just spent maybe the last hour and a half just walking around thinking about how to finish it. So I've recorded five songs, and I've got four in the can right now. I'm going to write another four or five and then go back and try to finish it early next year. So that's kind of been a main focus. And, man, I got a new bicycle, so I've been riding a bike, which is always fun. And uh, I also started a 90s country band called Refried Dreams. Cool. <laughs> so that's been fun. We entered this Bush beer contest that was judged by Billy Ray Cyrus, and we won, which was nuts. <laughs> so I've been trying to get a little creative, and we recorded a record. Is, is it all cover stuff, or are you writing original material for that? Uh, we started off as kind of a cover, kind of a fun cover band, and we only did a couple shows before the pandemic, but just a bunch of guys that my partner in crime and I are we're a duo. I'm uh, Randy Bucks and he's Marty Montana. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we started off as a cover band and then we won that little contest and, and my, uh, Marty Montana was like, man, let's start writing some originals. So we have produced an EP all from home, but doing virtual recordings with folks. And it, I mean, it's crazy, man. It sounds like a like a record, but I'm just singing the vocals in my living room. So hopefully that'll come out next year. It's called As Country As It Gets. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. That sounds awesome. It's pretty fun, man. It's like throwback 90s. I mean, why not? What about you? Uh, I really just kind of, you know, taking care of the show and everything like that. We haven't there kind of struck us the other day. We haven't had a show on our stage in a year now. Wow. That's just crazy. But I mean... I'm certainly at a point in my life where I understand that old things need to be taken care of. So, <laughs> For sure. I'm glad you're there. It's it's a special place, man. I'm too. They've been so good to me. So good to me. So uh, once all this is over, how do you envision kind of getting your career back online, kickstarting things again? It's a good question, man. It's something I think about daily. I wouldn't be lying if I didn't. I don't hate the break. 
um, in some ways. It's been it's been grounding, and I'm grateful for that. But I've also been kind of doing socially distant house shows and such, and so that's been cool. I'm like, people are so kind. And it's kind of keeping my chops up because, believe it or not, playing for 10 to 20 people sometimes is it, <laughs> it's a little harder without a stage and a little PA. It's kind of, it keeps you, you got to make sure you're on your toes. Well, it's more intimate, so. For sure. And like, if you're not, you don't have the uh, power of the stage and stuff. So if you're not, <laughs> if you screw it up, it's probably pretty obvious because they're like 10 feet away from you. <laughs> right. But I hope to start to just release, I think it seems, at least to me in the conversations I have with a lot of people in the music business, is that we are now in a single world as opposed to an album world, which is interesting. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that goes full circle, because when I started, uh, gosh, so many years ago in radio and everything, it was singles, and then you did an album based on your success with that turned into albums now we're getting back to it again it's weird it is weird I, th- I don't think i hate it though it's um uh, i guess it gives songs more of a chance to kind of live in people's ears and just like kind of get into the vernacular or get the attention at least hopefully so hopefully we'll finish up these recordings and then just start releasing like a song a month under maybe the song, same umbrella and so yeah i'm kind of looking forward to it does it feel maybe like a little less pressure where you don't have to come up with a full album? If you got a good song or two, you can just do it? I think so. You can take more chances, too, which is fun. So, you know, I'll just rent one day and, and we'll go back to Nashville. I'm in Austin right now. I'll go to Nashville and rent one day and get, get the boys together and cut five songs and in a day, which is cool. But it's not like, luckily, everything's worked thus far. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking about doing a cover that's maybe out of my wheelhouse or something like that, just to throw it in there and see what happens. And then if it doesn't work, it's not like, oh man, we got to stop and re-record the album or like, oh, we're behind or we got to go back into the studio and get everybody else. So I like that aspect. Also, it's just financially, it's way easier. That would make sense. Yeah. You know, records are, I don't understand why this is happening. I mean, they're so expensive to make. It's got to be a bit of a blessing that you uh, know your way around a studio now, at least. <laughs> I've definitely had a couple records that didn't make the light of day, and that that is a, a good learning experience. <laughs> so, yes, you know, live and learn. You're right. Do you prefer uh, Do you prefer studio work or uh, being on a stage? That's a good question, man. Something I've been definitely thinking about right now. I think what, taking a song that you've been working on for a long time, some of my t- songs take, I don't know, years, and then seeing them happen in the studio and you know the right thing is happening, or at least the way you hear it, that's pretty special. But there are shows, and I'm not just saying this because it's the shell, but like that's a special place for me to play, and being from Memphis is kind of as good as it gets. So those shows are, are definitely um, really important, too. I swear to goodness, your show at the Shell, of all the shows that I've worked there, I think that was the one where the most people came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I knew like one or two songs, but this guy is really good. You went over really, really well with people, man. That was awesome. That was fun, man. I guess, you know, it was really cool just to be able to do that. And and it was a fun night and it was just so cool. that I guess we met my first show at the Shell, which was the original 
Moon River Festival. Is that right? Right. That is correct. Yeah, we uh, sat backstage for a little while and uh, chit-chatted and uh, look what happened. <laughs> yeah, look at us now. <laughs> You're stuck now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. That's awesome. How would you uh, compare and contrast Memphis and Austin? I mean, you're talking about two great music cities there. I think Memphis has got – Austin is – I love Austin, and it's a great place to live. But the music scene here is a little bit more of what used to be and not as necessarily of what's happening just because of just the natural development of the city and, and people wanting to move here. And, and we're experiencing a lot of – venue closures or possible venue closures that are just really sad man um because there's so much history here and you know i think a lot of the music that comes from memphis is just so authentic and you just can't really like you can't mess with it especially like what matt ross fang's doing and all the great bands that have recorded it son and um sam phillips and all the things and i don't know i think I think the funny comparison I get a lot of is uh, Memphis and Nashville, because I definitely know the differences between those. It's like, I love Nashville, I love working there, but I definitely think Memphis is like the cooler city for recording it, and it's got the, the history, you know? You've totally endeared yourself to Memphis right there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's so funny. So many people ask me that question. Memphis, Nashville, we're in like two different worlds, man. So Very much so. TV has been very, very good to your career. How did that come about? Man, that's funny. I used to wake up, we used to drive up to Amarillo, Texas and play shows at this little bar called the Golden Light Cantina, which I mean, man, dive bar. But one of the great, greatest places I started playing, this guy named Arcadio booked and ran it for a long time. And the whole deal is if you make it, build up the golden light and you get to play the Amarillo rodeo, which is the big show, you know, and we eventually did that. But one of the things we do would get up super early because it's an eight and a half hour drive from here and try to make it by 4 PM to the good afternoon Amarillo show. So a newscaster there named Megan Collier and her sister is in LA doing TV placements. And so we became friends at like the third or fourth one. By the third or fourth one, I'm doing like the cooking demo with the chef after our musical performance. And uh, she asked me if she could send off my CD to her sister. And then that really started the whole wow. TV thing, man. I mean, it's just the randomest of and, – and, and really the point of I was working for this publishing company in Nashville and writing for them but living in Austin and – we weren't getting much results at the time. So it kind of saved me for at least, I mean, every three months, another thing would pop up and they'd be like, oh, we got another placement. <laughs> so never know. Do you, uh, does that affect the way you write these days? I mean, do you write possibly with uh, TV in mind or is it just something where your stuff works particularly well with certain shows? We recently got something the most uh, recent cut was on Yellowstone, which I love that show. Have you seen that show? No, I haven't. But I'm going to have to check that out. Sounds great. I was recently, this is a recent convert. Like I obviously, Kevin Costner, a great actor and, and got into that. And I've been pitching them for season four, but I'm pitching 
I didn't watch the show until, I mean, maybe a month or two ago. And now I was pitching them on my cowboy songs. And then I realized that like, that's too on the nose for the show, (laughs) (laughs) which totally makes sense. But now I'm glad I watched it. So yeah, I don't know if I do. I'm definitely, the the newest project is is the most pop-esque record I've ever made for me at least. I mean, but previous, my previous record was a just a really sad breakup record. So anything could be more poppy than that. <laughs> <laughs> that last record did really well for you. Americana and uh, Neo Country and stuff like that too. Though. It was cool, man. I got away with it. Um, I just, luckily, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that sad about uh, the whole situation anymore. So hopefully, I don't know. I'm excited. It's weird to have a project like coming together and knowing like waiting to share it with people but it's a fun it's exciting at the same time kind of like stepping up in the back pocket want to learn more about how you can support the levitt shell and its mission of building community through music education and diversity head to levittshell.org you can read up on our 85 year history and check out our schedule of live and virtual events Visit our shell shop to grab all the swag and find out ways you can participate in our mission, whether that's through donations, volunteering, sponsoring a show, or becoming a member of our shell circle. Once again, that's levitshell.org. With the pandemic and with the fact that we've had to be so isolated, is it different now? Is it more exciting having a project coming? Is it scarier? It definitely gives a little hope. I think, you know, it's like the scary aspects are, if we're just getting smarter, it used to get really scary when you were spending so much money on records and just being like, I don't know if we're ever going to get this money back, but we got to keep going. We're halfway through, we're quarter, or three quarters of the way through, but that was always the scary part. And then now it's just like, don't overthink it. And then just be hopeful that people like it. And if they don't, then did you like it? Well, that's good. Okay. Keep going. That's a great attitude. It took me a long time to figure it out. <laughs> and I can understand that because I'm, I'm sure when you're getting started and everything like that, like you say, you got kind of an eye on the pocketbook and maybe an eye on the charts and everything like that. But you're, you're at a point in your career where you've gotten a lot of acceptance that has to give you some confidence. It's cool, man. I don't, I don't dwell on it that much, but I do feel really lucky and like just like I realize that – for a guy that's an independent artist now, I get to kind of do whatever I want. No one's telling me to cut this song or cut that song. And people are listening. And it's it's cool. And I might have a little bit of a niche fan base, but I don't know. All my favorite artists kind of do, like, more than others. So hopefully a day comes that it might get bigger. If it doesn't, I mean, I kind of had to figure out that you just do this for yourself and the journey. I mean, it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. It doesn't sound cheesy at all. It sounds like the reason you should be doing it. <laughs> it's true. I think if you're doing it for for fame these days, then uh, when you're competing with people that are on the TikToks and all the things that I don't understand of the world, you're famous today and then you're forgotten tomorrow. So It can be a scary industry in that way, too. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Who are songwriters or performers that, that are heroes to you? I've been thinking about this a lot as well in the pandemic. It all kind of started with Patty for me at the beginning and just digging. I mean, I remember my sister having the greatest hits, the last dance of Mary Jane and all that stuff on there. 
but I never really dug in deeper until midway through college and you get into like, she's the one and, you know, wildflowers becomes like an epiphany. And that opens up a whole thing of like, opens up, change the locks from she's the one, opens you up to Lucinda and then you get into gravel or car wheels on a gravel road. And, mm-hmm. and then, man, I just got, I got really lucky to go tour with some, I had a booking agent that kind of represented all the, they call them, you know, legacy acts, which is kind of a funny term, but like the legacies they were pairing me were with like Charlie Daniels band. Like I did a runner shows with Charlie Daniels, which was incredible. And uh, Don Williams, I did 10 shows with Don Williams, like right before he passed and God, did I learn a lot. And then uh, my favorite one who just recently passed was, Billy Joe Shaver, who's one of my all-time, all-time favorite songwriters, man. I do all these shows with Billy Joe, which were, I know, do you know Billy Joe's legacy? Mm-hmm, I do. You know, he shot a guy in the face and got away with it. and He's a, a wildcat. He's an apostle, wrote all the great songs. He, we would, I would walk into the groove room every afternoon, and he'd be like, he'd lean over and go, who's that boy? And they're like, he's the guy from last night that opened the night before. And he'd be like, oh, okay, cool. He'd be like, boy, good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like he'd end the night by grabbing my face and being like, "Found every woman in the town." I'd be like, "Okay, man, <laughs> I'll work on that. Thank you." <laughs> I'm working on it. He's like, "I would go with you, but they put us in a bad hotel room." I'm like, "It's the same thing." <laughs> awesome, man. So those are the experiences that are like, I don't know. I can't even believe they happened. I was like 25. And alone, just like literally opening acoustic, all these shows, just being like, it's nuts, man. Yeah, but what a great experience. I mean, life experience, songwriting, the whole bit. I remember one weekend I played the National RV Convention in Knoxville, which was like the best payday I ever had for that date. And everybody was just like, come play at our RV park. And I was like, okay, sure, sure, guys. Then I went and met up with uh, Don Williams in Birmingham. And we played the Alabama Theater, which was incredible. Uh, and then I played a fraternity party the next day in Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> Strangest weekend in my life. It was awesome. But I mean, you know, as, as long as you can do all that, you you can pretty much do anything, right? I think so. I mean, I definitely don't walk around being like, well, what do you got next? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, for everything that you've accomplished in music so far, are uh, there other do, do you see yourself maybe as a producer, an engineer? Are there other things you'd like to accomplish, other people you'd like to work with? Man, I do a little production stuff. I like working with songwriters, especially if like our styles are somewhat, maybe not like musically, but methodically work out. My friend Troy Cartwright um and i made an ep that i'm quite well it was a full record but he put it out as an ep i'm quite proud of and then he went and got signed to a a major label so that was kind of cool to watch sweet yeah man i I like the production element even though sometimes i don't i listen to something i'm like i'm noticing my ears are getting better which is cool at just catching things and being able to talk about what what you want out of a song so yeah man i've got this little record label and um it's fun it's fun to think about as you get a little older i'm definitely never going to be an engineer i'll tell you what those guys are incredible they're miracle workers seriously yeah 
totally. But we got great engineers we're working with now, and they're becoming like family. So just bring them along, and we'll see. I'm gonna have to take a guess. I I, uh, I believe you went to school for entrepreneurial management, and I have to guess that that's uh, really benefited you a lot in the music industry. It, it definitely has been. I went originally for ranch management at uh, Texas Christian University. They have a ranch management school, and I was working out in Wyoming and Colorado and Mississippi doing this ranch stuff when I was in high school, and I was like, oh, I want to manage ranches. But uh, they, I was starting to play music, and the, the artificial insemination class was not really my cup of tea that they offered the ranch <laughs> management school. So it all worked out. It's funny how that works, but yeah. <laughs> At least I learned in entrepreneurial management school to like hire a bookkeeper and, and hopefully pay your taxes correctly. And <laughs> as long as you could not pull a willy, it, it, it can probably keep going. What other advice would you have for uh, younger musicians that are that are considering getting into the business? Although what a weird time to get into it now. It's funny, man. A guy I hadn't talked to in a long time that's a little brother of a friend of mine texted me yesterday. And, he was like, "Hey man, can I send you a song?" It was re- it was actually really refreshing because it was a really good song. He's like, "Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm just thinking about doing stuff, and I'm gonna be like, man, stop thinking, just start making more, and then eventually the next thing will go to the next thing, and the next thing will go to the next thing, and I don't know that, and just don't chase the money because I tried chasing the money for a while. It doesn't work. Can't can't worry about it." Well, that 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 seems like a pretty consistent theme in your work to work more emotionally than than uh, than like you say, don't think about it so much. I think people can tell if it's true or not, or if it rings true. You don't have to necessarily write a, a song that's completely truthful. No, but if you if you if you feel it and if you're coming across properly, yeah, you know that's what people want. I mean, you are an entertainer. You know, you're telling a story. Totally, but that story can be fictional in some cases as long as it's exactly. a story has of a point. Yeah. Of course it can. I mean Dylan didn't you know, Bob Dylan didn't live every single thing that he wrote about. So Man, if he did, I'd be confused. <laughs> yeah. Or someone like Willie, it's like, man, if you did all those things, how are you still alive? You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I mean, one of the most important things about your career to this point, do you look like Garth Brooks? <laughs> <laughs> which part oh garth brooks is fascinating to me man uh, um i don't know i've had some friends that have worked for him and they say he's a great guy but i'm so sometimes i'm like this guy's i watched the whole documentary on garth i'm like he is kind of a mechlomaniac <laughs> in some ways he's really go kind of worked for him it kind of works you know I and mean, if you're gonna be that big you gotta run it but he's got some great songs daddy does he does Rob, if people want to get a hold of you on the web and social media, what's the best place to uh, to be able to follow you? Rob Baird Music is pretty much the handle on, on everything. And, you know, backslash Rob Baird Music. I kind of only really pay attention to Instagram because, of you know, Twitter's weird and Facebook. I kind of forget to check. But that, you can email me at robbairdmusic at Gmail. Just I'm, generally, that's kind of what I'm checking. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Rob, I want to thank you so much for taking that time, and uh, can't wait to have you on our stage again once things get back to normal. Thank you, Silver. This is fun, man. I've been looking forward to this all day, and uh, I can't wait to be back in Memphis, man. That'd be so much fun. Back at the show. Well, I'll tell you what, when you do uh, dinners on me, but you got to tell stories, okay? 
All right, my friend. I'll take you up on that. Sounds awesome. All right. Sounds good. Cheers, my friend. Be well. Want to say thanks to Rob for joining us today. If you'd like to stay up to date on what's happening with his career, check him out at robbairdmusic.com. You can also stay up to date with all the goings on at the shell at thelevitshell.org. We'd really appreciate it if you check out the virtual tip bucket as well. Every little bit helps. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again soon.